Grom. Ho, 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 ho. And what would you like for Christmas, little boy? The Chromecast Chronicle number two, Santa. Ho, 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 ho. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Chromecast. Guess what? It's Yule greetings and Christmas time. We hope everybody's having a good a good holiday season. Yeah, the the solstice is upon us, and it's the darkest time of the year, but yet also the brightest time of the year. So, uh, welcome back, everybody. I'm I'm Luke. We'll go ahead and do the obligatory introductions here. I'm Josh, aka Santa, and I am Jonathan, <laughs> aka the little boy. Yeah. Oh, Tiny Tim, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of our show. This is an extra special holiday episode. We are excited to share with everyone another edition of the Chromecast Chronicle. In fact, this is, what, issue two? So we're two for two across across the winter winter solstices. We've dropped a second second issue at the time of this recording. That's right. It's officially an empire. Once you move beyond one territory, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are a media empire. Right. Audio. Yeah, this is, it's getting... <laughs> visual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we missing? Uh, we don't we... have the visuals, dude. I, I, reading is visual? Is I that, guess that's uh, true. Broadly true? <laughs> we need a TikTok. We do need a TikTok. That's accurate. So we'll I'm going to put John on that. On that. That's, that's going to be his assignment, is the TikToks. I, I do look like your classical TikToker, I believe. You do, yeah. We're going to do some synchronized dances. It's going to be sweet. So look for that in 2022. (laughs) Coming up on the horizon. But no, for now, uh, we are providing another one of our free zines. This is something that we're doing just for the the kicks of it, just for the, the, the giggles, if you will. And it's a mix of of a variety of different materials it's fiction and nonfiction, josh right like what do we what do we call it what's the 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 masthead what are we to proclaim a zine featuring fiction and scholarship of the savage the weird and the macabre that's what you're gonna get in this issue we have a variety of of continuing returning contributors here you know the yours truly the three the three of us have have entries in this thing but we've rallied around some of the, the the friends of the show and we've been able to get some extra some extra materials from a variety of other folks and the thing that I guess I'm pro- probably most excited about is we've really like slam dunk the art I think on this on this issue we've we have new new entries yeah for real we've got uh, original art from Justin Stewart John you were able to procure some original art from uh, Kentucky native Chris Schweitzer very Kentucky proud issue, I would say, uh, yeah. or the, the surrounding area, at least. Yeah. What do, uh, and so what are those two dudes? What, what were their contributions? Uh, Schweitzer, well, a couple years ago, put out several REH characters. He seems to be a fan of the author. He was actually just on a podcast recently. The SFF audio folks had him on to talk about Red Sonia's story, and he's got a drawing of her out that was included in their blog post. And a few years ago when he put the art out, uh, friend of the show, Mike, uh, he purchased the Sailor Steve Costigan piece for me as a Christmas present because he knows how much I like that boxing silly man. And so that's what we're going to be putting into the issue. He gave us permission to, to scan that in to our zine. Nice. 
and, and Justin's uh, contributing a, a new piece of art too. Is that right, Josh? That's right. Uh, we have not seen eyes on it just yet, but we know that it's uh, in the lab. It's in preparation, and it's going to drop anytime into our inbox. And and on top of that, we have art pieces from a handful of other folks. I guess a couple folks that we can mention here would include Alejandro uh, Ruzese, who is an artist from New York City. He does a variety of super cool stuff. He, he's got a lot of cosmic-looking like superhero art, but it definitely taps into that kind of cosmic godhood that you would associate with like a, with a Kirby bit of art. But he's got a real flair for for proportions and the way that he sort of draws things. And he he did a Red Sonia sketch for me way back when at the Cincinnati Comic Con, and he's cool with us including that within. Uh, the issue and so we're showcasing his work and then another individual that we're including is uh, John Sebastian which is a Cincinnati artist and he's great he has this really funky looking Cthuloid arcane spellcaster I don't even know what the hell that dude's getting up to but <laughs> it's, it's a really funky piece of a uh, I guess it meshes with John Sebastian's other work he is involved with a, a, a sludge metal band called gray host that he does their their cover art and it's pretty it's pretty good stuff and it's it's totally in line with the work that you're gonna see of him elsewhere and so he's included and what else we've got the the cover art from john which is pretty cool john do you want to talk a little bit about the cover art that you put together i, I was inspired by you you often talk about the holly king and the oak king and I've seen your collection of animal skulls that you've uh, gathered for work over the years. And so I, w I slammed together some Christmas elements. I put a deer skull in the middle of a bunch of holly leaves. And I've, I've done my pen and ink sort of scritchy scratchies all over the paper to try and produce a representation of a pagan version of our Christmas celebration. I think it's awesome, man. It's good. I, I love it. <laughs> I uh, I took my hand uh, last year at doing some sort of scratch off uh, psychedelic color underneath the black, like coating on a piece of paper type art. I don't know if anybody else has kids that you might do that kind of thing with. But oh yeah. My little guy was was playing around with that, and I kind of I kind of went down the rabbit hole one day, and I did both a a Santa Claus and a Krampus bit, and so. So we're going to have those bookending a, a cookie recipe of mine at the, at the back end. Let's see. I think, I think that takes care of most of the art. The last thing that I'll mention, and maybe this is a good segue into the content within the issue, but we actually have a piece of art from Jason Ray Carney. He has a cool, like, demonic door bit of art that he framed up. And it's, it's kind of a nice, easy black and white portion to sort of separate our our, our first bit of content. But maybe at this point we can sort of walk through the table of contents in terms of the prose and the nonfiction that's in the issue. What do you guys think about that? I think it's a good plan and thorough. It's a dang good plan. So on the fiction side of things, we have a couple of, of entries this year, one from Luke, one from myself, and one from a friend of the show, Jason Ray Carney. Let's talk about Jason's story first, the rogue and the raggling. Yeah, so this is a this is a story that's focused on his character, the Rogue. I know that Jason has wrote uh, this character before. I know it's it's in the Hopper 
for a Tales from the Magician Skull issue on the on the horizon. I don't know for sure if Jason has written other iterations of this protagonist. I don't know if protagonist is even the right word, but for this timeless sword and sorcery character that the story center out centered around. But it's it's cool. It's it's big time. It's in his style of I don't want to say purple prose, but Jason has this real knack for for layering and writing in a like Clark Ashton Smith kind of vein and just having this really heavy sort of, 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 of beauty, but also decay. And this story really, I think reflects that. And there's, there's a cool overlay of like degradation, like civilizational decline, almost like a Wagner, like Carl Edward Wagner level to it. That's a little bit different than the story that he, that he, uh, that he had in the first issue. The last the last Chromecast Chronicle, his entry was called An Embrace of Demonolatry. And that story was like total, I think I described it to him after the fact, like Liberian labyrinthine storytelling. It was just really, really purpled up. Uh, his new entry is, is a little bit different, but I think still taps into that flowered sort of prose that's, that's really a, a sword and sorcery style all its own. After that, we have the Chromecast's own Josh Adkins with Black Lung, a story that kind of reminds me of a game that we've been playing lately. Is that fair to say, Josh? I think that's fair to say that it is inspired, at least in part, by a Call of Cthulhu game that I've been running for Luke and John and Mike um, and Evil Ed. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about what happens in Black Lung? Black Lung is the story of a family whose legacy is coal mining and digging deeper and getting more coal, extracting more, and at the same time uncovering, unknownst to them, the remnants of an elder race that once dominated the globe when the world was much hotter and oxygen was much denser and the air was much more humid a Betrachian race of giants. I like how your voice got deeper as you went on. Thanks. That's what I do when I want to be scary. I, I well, <laughs> start to drift. It was like you were getting super oxygenated yourself. I, I was. I, I thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> and then we kind of round out the fiction with Luke in the Oak. Yeah, I have, a, I have a story that's called uh, the Oak Heart, and it's grounded within my, within my little sword and sorcery world that I like to play play around in. But this story is really a, a standalone, kind of moody little little vignette. But basically, the premise is that we have a, a handful of uh, sorcerers or wizards that, that gather around this old oak tree in the middle of uh, the hill country, right? So think about cross plains texas or sort of the texas hill country that's kind of in my mind like where where the the west hills of the borderlands like what they look like and so there's this low-bowed oak tree that these wizards gather around and they gather there right at dusk or as dark as has settled in and they start up a, a ritual and by the time that it's done they have in their hands some sort of super weapon that might ultimately be the undoing of 
of the world. That's that's Uh-oh. the that's the that's the big pitch. Like <laughs> it's pretty epic on that scale. But really, it was more of an exercise for me to write a little prologue for something that could be a much larger story. Right? It's almost as if it's the the cold open, and I don't want to be too too lofty with my goals here. But like the story, the, like the start of uh, a Game of Thrones. Right? You've got this cold open little story of how some some dudes north of the wall encounter a white walker and that kind of sets the stage for everything that's kind of kind of what i was going for here when i was envisioning this little preamble this little prologue story so that's what it's about it's it's intended to be a moody little set piece and it's short it's around 1500 words something like that but hopefully folks like it and then we don't really leave the Luke Cinematic Universe. We kind of stick around with it for our RPG module this year. You're going to be featuring Tabernacle of the Toadmen. It's a, a one-pager. Right. It is a little one-pager. So I have a handful of entries that I've used over the years for the one-page dungeon contest. And so they're like Creative Commons license entries. And I've I've done that. I missed actually this last year. I just totally flubbed up and missed the deadline and, and didn't realize that it happened. I, I don't know. I didn't get the notification in my inbox and it just kind of came and went, but I've done three of them. And so the most recent one that I did was called Tabernacle of the Toadman. And I think the, the overall presentation of that little one page RPG module is, is good for fitting into the zine. The font's clear. I think there's some good little art that sort of accentuates the story. And I think it's, it's useful enough, sandboxy enough. It's basically a plot hook, three or four encounters, three or four little set pieces, and drop it in if it works. It's it's inspired by Call of Cthulhu, uh, the story, not the game. And uh, that's the idea there. I don't know if there'll be space in the zine. I have an older entry that might get included, but honestly, it comes down to whether or not the the, the actual handwritten font on the the image that I worked with, if it's legible. So we'll see. Tabernacle of the Toad Bin is definitely the 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 shoe in here for the zine, but there might be something else. So that's a that's a brief little interlude, but we're gonna be able to sort of segue into some nonfiction here. We've got a pretty good balance within the the overall arrangement of the zine because we have about three fiction entries and what do we have three nonfiction entries as well? Mm, four actually but yeah they're like nice. page for page i think volume wise yeah we're we're pretty even in terms of of fiction and nonfiction here nice what's next so next we have friend of the show karen joan kahodic thinking about where pulp studies are going to go in an essay um an opinion piece i i guess i should say called the future of pulp studies or lack thereof which i think is going to be interesting to, uh, you know, get other people's takes on. This is a, a what I think it is a good, useful conversation starter for, especially for Robert E. Howard studies, but, but pulp studies in general, just Karen just kind of lays it all out there. And I, I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. She comes into the ring with a chair, man. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, she comes down from the top yeah. rope, however you want to put it. She straight up no, no like walks into the ring like Stone Cold Steve Austin used to, and and lays a lays the smackdown. It's good, good. Yeah, and I like that that it's something written, right? Like 
you know, so often there's social media exchanges or you have these sort of ephemeral bits of dialogue with Mm -hmm. other people within the genre uh, or within the fandom. But something that's cool about a zine, like with what we're doing here and trying to get things, you know, uh, it's, it's not rigorous. It's not necessarily uh, something that would qualify as like, say peer reviewed, like in the dark man journal or, and uh, hippocampuses like dead reckonings or something like that. Those are, those are a bit more uh, accredited venues, but something like this, it's still at least out there. It's in the long form. It's a written referenceable kind of piece. And I like that Karen didn't just make a scree on Facebook or on, on a, on a blog post or, you know, a response to somebody else's, social media posts but it's actually something that spans a few pages it's thoughtful she's laying out a series of kind of reference points and it's an argument and i like i like arguments i like you know when i say that like constructive (laughs) sort of exchange of ideas and karen is drawing some good lines in the sand it's cool we're honored to include it after that we have a couple of uh I guess of our columns, we have two nonfiction columns that we featured in the last one. The first one's by Evil Ed, Evil Ed's Thrift Store of Ghastly Goodies. Now with more ninjas. <laughs> yeah, Ed's going to cover some some ninja cinema for us. He talks about a few things that are out of print. It sounds like and hard to find. Streaming, Tough to get, yeah. But, the, but, but things that are worth tracking down anyway. Some some deep shokazuki uh, cuts. <laughs> then. In, in a similar vein, we have uh, our own John, who is going to educate us about a samurai named Tomoe Gozen. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little intrigued about what space Ed and I may have been in. Uh, he came up with ninjas and I came up with a samurai warrior. That seems kind of funny to me. And, that, and then we're back to back in the Chronicle. So I'm writing about Tomoe Gozen, who is a samurai I first read about in the book Badass. Uh, I've done other reading about her just because... I think that she's a fascinating figure. She's sort of a semi-legendary person in Japanese history. Uh, I don't know that I would go as far as to say she's Robin Hood real or Robin Hood fake. It does seem like she was an actual person, but there's a lot of cool history that's attached to her. She led hundreds, if not thousands, of other samurai into battle in the Jinpai Wars and was uh, maybe attributed with taking off the heads of more than a dozen men while she was on horseback. And so she just has a lot of cool traits, and I feel like I don't know if Howard knew about her, but if he did, I'm pretty sure he would have been a fan, and she would have hung out with Red Sonia and Dark Agnes for sure. And we that's round badass, out, dude. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's heavy metal. That, that's heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, some of the stories and the way that they talk about her, I would say, would fit in very well with a heavy metal magazine. But we're also honored because we get to round out with our our heavy hitter. Or what do you, how would we want to put that? He's our, the clean, our batting cleanup. The cleanup hitter? The ringer. Yeah, the cleanup hitter is Bobby Derry, who comes in with the Strange Stories story. Yeah, he's telling us about this ill-fated attempt to sort of raise this new tent pole in pulps called Strange Stories. It's an attempt by Farnsworth Wright and, and a couple of other uh, editors back in the day to create an, an alternative venue for stories in this vein. And eventually I think the magazine does make it 
but uh, you'll have to see what happens. There's always machinations behind the scenes that can ruin good plans. It's not a tale of alternate history necessarily, but a look at what if, what if this had taken off in a way that Farnsworth seemed to have wanted. I Mm. like this one because it had some cool back and forth in the letters between uh, CAS, REH, uh, HPL. Everybody seems to get in on the action talking about what is happening? When can we publish in this? And why, why isn't it out yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, Bobby is such a he's such a historian like he or maybe I don't know. That's I mean, he is obviously that. But he's he's like a documentarian. Like he is the expert for putting together various threads on the murder board mm-hmm. for 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 these types of stories. Like that's what weird tailors his you know, his, his, his most recent book is, and that's the, that's the kind of thing that he does is he lays out all of the various lines of correspondence and the timelines. Like it's almost like they're all sliding scales. <laughs> you know, you've got these various pages and if you sort of slide them so that the timelines match up, it provides a little bit more illumination. That's what he does. And mm-hmm. so it's cool, right? Like the, the, the last Chromecast Chronicle, he, he had a bit that talked about uh, Worldcon and the role of Jim Crow and sort of science fiction and the, the South. And it was this really neat, useful think piece uh, to kind of to kind of move the conversation about fandom forward. I almost think that like Karen's piece, this issue is going to save a is going to serve a similar role to, I think, what like Bobby's uh, story did or entry did in the first issue, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, but, but Bobby's issue uh, contribution here is more in line with just like his deep detailing of a story that people just don't know about. It's cool to get the, the overall perspective. And, and I like how it's about this ghost of a thing, like to kind of circle back around to a theme that I think this issue hits on. There's a lot of ghosts in this issue, right, guys? Like the way that we're kind of approaching this issue, it seems like everybody was coalescing on a central kind of kind of theme. Midwinter is a perfect time for ghosts. And, you know, being the the darkest time of the year, ghosts seem to be all around us. And the older we get, the more, unfortunately, the more ghosts that we remember around the holidays. And so I think that this issue just kind of naturally captures some of those themes. And Bobby is just such a storyteller with the way he lays things out. And as you were talking, Luke, I couldn't help but think that Bobby is the Ken Burns of the, the weird tales, like the pulp era, uh, Howard and Lovecraft and, and CL Moore and, and all of those folks. Like he, he knows a ton of information and as, as, uh, collated stuff that, uh, you know, he's going to over the, the coming days and weeks and years, uh, he's, he's going to be very important, uh, play a, a pivotal role in, in, um, marking those stories. Yeah, no, I think, I think your, your Ken Burns comparison is, is pretty, it's pretty much spot on. I, I totally get that. <laughs> he's the guy that makes it approachable too. Mm-hmm. Like he takes something that is very heady and very historical and is able to weave it into something that, you know, folks that are, you know, not lay people to the field, but have an interest, but not just the deep, deep reference set and the expertise. 
and put it together into an accessible story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's readable. And that is, that is not a slight that's, that's a compliment for someone who is dealing with historical issues and the sort of the, I always come back to this thing that Tolkien said about, you know, don't look, don't look at the bones and the broth when you're complimenting a soup that somebody made. But Bobby is the guy who is looking at the ingredients very critically and, and reconstructing those recipes. Yeah. So that's it. That's yeah. the Chronicle volume two the, for our entry for 2021. Spooky. We hope you guys like it. We're all kind of uh, uh, what Josh you wrote in the introduction. Uh, we're, we're trying to capture ghosts. We're chasing the ghosts of weird tales. And in a lot of these pulps were, you know, this show is something that we've done over the years. We're trying to capture a lot of the, the intention and the meaning and the spirits of those initial weird fiction authors and sort of the, the, the folks that followed in those footsteps. This is just another, an, another medium. We're doing something in the written format. We're doing something in a digital format that folks can access where we're trying to capture that similar intention as what we do on the show. Right. That's right. And to that end, the show must go on and we are going to continue on uh, traveling the roads that stretch out both before and after the pulps. And this next season, we're going to cover the road. I don't know, the Gothic road, maybe the Gothic road. We'll talk about two, no, three stories that are pivotal in this subgenre of fiction. First, some horror that is formative, at least for Luke and I, and for, for many millions and millions of people around the world, a character that endures to this day. We're going to talk about Bram Stoker's Dracula. We'll follow that up with the counterpart of Dracula, often appearing in same, the same movies, right? Uh, but a book that, much to our surprise, was written almost a century prior to Dracula, and that is Frankenstein or a Modern Prometheus by Mary Shelley. And then we'll follow it up with The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson. Hitting on some big monsters there. Some uh, some tent poles of the monster world, right? Like we're, we're getting big archetypes going. That's right. And, and this is the first time that we've covered multiple novels or novelettes or novellas uh, during the course of a season. So pretty excited to, to dip into these three books. Um, Dracula is a, a well-worn loved uh favorite of mine and i know for luke as well john you've never read dracula correct that's correct i like that we're working in threes though three three is our power number it is our power number yeah and we're and so the general idea folks are wanting to start start into their reading at this point you know we're dropping this show before before the end of the year we're gonna be coming back in 2022 we'll be talking about uh, Dracula over probably three episodes. Is that what we're thinking? I think so. Yep. Three episodes. And then probably Frankenstein will take at least a couple episodes mm -hmm. and then, uh, Jekyll and Hyde an episode or two. So in total, we're looking at, you know, six or seven story focused episodes. There might be a front end back end introduction sort of close out, but we're looking at another, seven to 10 episode season in front of us. But 
if you're wanting to get into your content, you better you better be reading the first quarter to a first third of uh, of Dracula, right? Like over the new year. That's right. Yeah, you got about eight chapters in Dracula to read, and uh, don't don't hesitate to go online and order some boxes of Frankenberry and Count Chocula to eat while you read these stories. Hell yeah, that's. <laughs> It's going to go stale otherwise. Yeah, yeah, you got to eat it. So, yeah, looking right. forward to that. And I, I have never read Frankenstein. Luke, I think you have. John, have you read Frankenstein? I have read none of what we're preparing. Oh, great. Okay. I, I like to go at it. Yeah, awesome. So this is going to be fun. It's kind of a departure for us, but thematically, I suspect we'll find some similar themes. Yep. So that's what we're going to be getting into in future episodes. What? Have a have a good holiday. If this if you're if you're still celebrating after the time this this episode drops, you know, hopefully you get some uh, some good food, some good drinks. Uh, you stay warm. If it's Saturnalia, maybe you get lucky. Uh, if it's if it's Christmas, maybe you get some uh, some cookies and a cool present from uh, from from Santa Claus. What else? Yeah, remember our our, our pal Ignazio used to tell us about La Bifana who would visit on Epiphany. So, you know, the, oh, yeah. the winter, the winter holidays stretch into uh, the new year. And, and so whatever winter holiday you celebrate or, or if you don't celebrate any at all, whatever you do, we hope that you're happy and healthy and warm and safe with a, a belly full of beer, or meat or whiskey and a good book to read next to you. Right on. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and close this out just one more time. So if you if you go to our website you're gonna find easy easy links to pdfs of not only the new issue of the chronicle but also the old issue of the chronicle so the chromecast chronicle number one and number two are going to be in the same the same page and we'll try to get it on the social media and what else josh what's the what's the website how do people contact us that's the chromecast.blogspot.com uh we're also on social media twitter at the chromecast instagram at the chromecast Facebook.com slash the Chromecast. You can call us and leave us a voicemail. That's 859-429-CROM. John, I'm going to put you on the spot. What if what if Tiny Tim was to, to give us a call on the, the Chromecast hotline? Hello? Is this the Chromecast? I love your audio content, and I'm learning to love the written word, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you nailed it. You Perfect. God. <laughs> All right. We'll uh, we'll check out here. All right. We'll uh, talk to everybody later. Bye. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Merry Christmas, baby. Should it treat me nice? Merry Christmas, baby. Should it treat me nice? Bought me a diamond ring for Christmas. I feel like I'm in paradise. I feel mighty fine, y'all. I got music on my radio. Santa came down the chimney 
good old present for my baby. 